Our online worship gathering is about to start. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His love endures forever. We are so glad that you're with us, and we hope that our community and this gathering blesses you in a real and practical way today. If someone comes to mind that could use a message of hope, invite them to join this gathering on Facebook, YouTube, or by sending someone our website link. Now let's worship together. Welcome, New Beginnings. We're excited to worship with you today. Wherever you are, know that we serve a Savior who is fighting for us. He's the King of Kings, and He's the Lord of Lords. Come on, and let's worship Him. God, we bless your name. You are holy and worthy, and there is none like you. So bless this time as we honor you in song. Come on, touch your head. Come on.
backing down from any giant. No, no. I know how this story ends. But I know how this story ends. I'm gonna see a victory. I'm gonna see a victory. Oh, the battle belongs to you, Lord. I'm gonna see the
somebody who's just at their at their wit's end right now. I don't know who I don't know who needs to hear this. But your breakthrough is almost there. You are I know you're at your wit's end. Whoever you're ready to give up. Let me tell you, I've been there. I was at a point where I was ready to just give up. But when I reached that point, God showed up. I just want to encourage you, don't give up. He is a way maker. We're not just singing it because it's a popular song. We know this to be true. He is a promise keeper. This word says, the text says that he is not a man that he should lie. So what he says is yes and amen. 
So let me just remind you to just hang on to what's promised. What he's already said, it is true. In your situation, he's going to show up. He's going to show up. Don't give up. Don't give up. He loves you too much to not show up, y'all. Thank you so much for worshiping with us today and being a part of our online church community. What's better in the summer than a movie night? Join us on Friday, August 12th for a special Friday night online at the movies event as we enjoy the new movie, Rise, which the whole family will love. Just go to our website page or our app to register for the Zoom link. And now here are some friends from our community that want to say hello. Hi, NBCC family. This is Pally from San Francisco. Love you. Hi, this is Ray from Menlo Park. So glad to see all my friends, both new and old, here live and in person in Redwood City. Hello, I'm Gregory Lee. And I'm Linda Lee. And we represent a life group that covers South San Jose, out to Hollister. And we love our life group family. Hello, NBCC. Yay! It is always a joy to worship together because when we worship, we remember God's goodness to each one of us. Once a month, we take some extra time to remember God's goodness at Refresh, our monthly online communion event. And the next one is this Wednesday, August 3rd at 7 p.m. So whether you live in Redwood City or Albuquerque or another country, we welcome you to join us as we celebrate and remember the goodness of our God. You can register on our events page, on our website or app, so you can get that Zoom link and come on through. And if you don't have our app yet, you can get it right now by texting NBCC app to 77977. Here at New Beginnings, we really put an emphasis on prioritizing quality relationships. We know that healthy community is built on deep, abiding friendships. So whether you're new to New Beginnings or you've been with us for a while, I want to encourage you to take some time during today's gathering to fill out our connection card. It's a small step that can help you get that much more connected in our community, whether it's just by sharing a prayer request, something going on in your life, or letting us know you're ready to check out a serving team or joining a life group. Our connection card is also linked from our Facebook page chat on our website and in our app. Friends, we are so grateful for the generosity of our community that fuels our church's vision to reach those who feel far from God, to make disciples, to build families, and to transform communities. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 7 talks about the importance of being cheerful givers, and we rejoice that New Beginnings is full of cheerful givers. Thank you for praying for our church, for planning and being thoughtful about your giving 
and for making it possible for new beginnings to continue to be a light in our world. If you would like to make a gift today, and it could be your first time giving to New Beginnings, you can do so right from your phone by texting NBCC Give to 77977, that's my favorite way, or on our app or on our website at NBCCBayArea.com. Thank you. And now, let's get ready for the message. What's up, everybody? I hope that you have been blessed so far as you have worshipped with us uh, from wherever you are, near or far. Now, we're about to engage with the message in just a few moments, but I want to take uh, some time and just talk to a couple of issues. First of all, for the last couple of weeks, I have been emphasizing that you may be in some part of the country or the world where you may be looking for a church community. You don't have a church community. We'd love to be that church community for you, virtually so. And uh, we're working hard to build uh, a very robust online community with a variety of ways for you to do more than just watch the message or just watch worship. But we want you to be able to connect and form and develop deep relationships and fellowship uh, with other people who are part of this community. Two examples of how that's happening. This coming week, for example, Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Pacific time, uh, you can join us in our monthly communion worship service. And we would love for you to participate, a place for you to form new relationships and experience God in a uniquely different way than what happens on a regular Sunday morning. Also, if you've lost a loved one and you, 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 you're struggling to make it through your grief, we have an amazing program, a virtual program called Grief Share. We have a trained person who's leading people who are gathering virtually on a, on a weekly, regular basis to work through their grief. We have a seat for you at that virtual table. Just go to our events page. We'd love for you to connect with us. All right, I want to take just a few moments and pray for our young people. A group of young people and adults are going to participate with a Christian organization that is engaging uh, in what we call gleaning. You know, in Deuteronomy chapter 23, verse 22, uh, God says to the nation of Israel, when you harvest your fruit, make sure you leave some margin or some, 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 some stuff around the edges. Somebody shout margin. Yeah, so that the poor and those who are new among you, the immigrant, can find food to eat. Well, these young people are going to be harvesting, um, preparing fruit that grocery stores um, turn back. And we're going to clean them and prepare them, package them, and send them to tens of thousands of people who are struggling with, um, with hunger all across the world. So I want to spend a moment or two praying for these young people. Lord, we give you thanks and praise for those who are going to serve those who are your hands and feet, as we see the invisible, as we do more than pray for people, but we actually try to be uh, your provisions for them. So bless those who are participating in this mission. May they grow in their faith, and may they grow in their impact. In Jesus' name, amen. The story of Jonah. How God's love draws us closer to Him. Creating space for forgiveness and grace as He pursues us with His relentless love. (laughs) Thanks for joining us as we are on our third week of this fascinating trek through the book of Jonah. Just an exciting book to study and teach uh, from. 
And listen, a quick shout out to those of you who are part of our San Jose campus and to all of the rest of you who are, who are joining with me online through a variety of platforms. I just want to just say to you, uh, we're just delighted uh, to be engaged with you inside of this teaching around the theme of God's relentless love. God has a love that will not give up on us, even when everything suggests that perhaps he should. Somebody shout relentless love. Praise God. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this time. We ask for your guidance and we ask for your spirit as we move forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on. Can you shout still reachable? Yeah, type that in the, in the chat if you're watching by Facebook. Still reachable. All right, let's begin our reading. Uh, third week, we're now starting at verse 8 of chapter 1. Let's hear what the, the sailors have been informed that it is Jonah who's the source of the storm that they're in, and they're, they're moving from a re- point of revelation to examination. And here's how the discussion goes. Why has this awful storm come down on us, they demanded. Who are you? What is your line of work? What country do you come from? What, what is your nationality? So Jonah answered, I am a Hebrew. I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, the one who made the sea and the land. And when they heard this, they were terrified because he had told them that he was running away from the Lord. Oh, why did you do it? They groaned. Verse 12, throw me into the sea, Jonah says, and it will become calm again. I know that this terrible storm is all my fault. Instead, the sailors rowed even harder to get the ship to the land. But the stormy sea was so violent that they just couldn't make it. Then the sailors picked Jonah up, threw him into the raging waters, and the storm stopped at once. Now the Lord arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah. Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. There is the reading. Praise God. If you've been following along, if you have not, by the way, been following along, you're just simply, you're joining us, you're showing up as a guest at our campus in San Jose, or you just happen to come across us on the screen, I would encourage you, A, go back and look at the first two messages of this series. I promise you it'll be worth your while. And B, just commit to stay with us for the rest of this series the next few weeks. Come on, I believe God has something special for you in your life. Now, uh, Jonah chapter 1 really opens up with these remarkable words. It says, and the word of the Lord came to Jonah. It's in that context that God gives Jonah an assignment. He essentially says to Jonah, listen, I want you to go and preach to Nineveh, that wicked city, the capital city of Assyria, one more opportunity for them to be redeemed and turned around rather than to be destroyed. Jonah rejects uh, this notion from God because he feels like the city ought to be destroyed, and he rejects God, goes down to Joppa, jumps on a ship, that's headed in the opposite direction of Nineveh to a place called Tasha. The text tells us that God sends a wind that becomes a storm on the sea, the Mediterranean Sea. And suddenly Jonah and the sailors and the folk on the ship wake up in the middle of this violent storm. Now, by way of real quick recap, last week I told you that storm, can somebody shout storm? Yes, go ahead and type it in the chat, storms. That's a, an apt metaphor 
for the humongous challenges and crises that often sweep into our lives and threatens to tear our lives apart. And when we find ourselves in a storm, we ought to ask the question, what is the reason for this storm? That makes a lot of sense to ask that question. And we tend to find that storms come at least out of three places. The first uh, comes out of broken life. God doesn't send it. You don't do anything to deserve it. It just shows up like sickness and disease. Second, sometimes storms come from the broken people in our lives, the folk that we love and are in relationship with. Maybe it's through their irresponsibility or through their unfaithfulness, or perhaps they become the source of violence for us, threatening to tear our lives apart. But thirdly, storms oftentimes can come from the bad decisions we just keep making. Yeah, that we refuse to accept the truth that's right in front of our face. We are stubborn in our move away from God and down an unwise path. In fact, this is the case that's going on with Jonah. As a matter of fact, verse 3 and 4, if you were reading it very close to the literal Hebrew, you'll find that one of the words that's repeated as it relates to Jonah is down. Can you shout down? Type in the chat, down. Yeah. It simply says that Jonah went down to the city of Joppa and, he, Joppa, and he went down to catch the, to get a, to the ship. And he went, and once he bought a ticket, he went down into the basement of the, the bowels of the, of, the, of the boat. Then it says he went down into a deep sleep. Here's the suggestion. Once you make the decision to turn your back on God's call in any given season of your life, even if that decision means that your income goes up, that your popularity increase, that you, in fact, you're going down that, that, that we're going down in our character, down in our faithfulness. There are always huge ramifications when we turn our back on what God is calling us to do and who he's calling us to be. The text warns us about going down. Now, when I think about storms where we left off at last week, uh, is that there was a revelation that took place. Uh, the sailors cast lots and in the process of casting Lot, it was revealed to them that, that Jonah had something to do with the storm that they were in that was about to tear their boat apart. And uh, the point I want to start there with today is simply this, that, that in the midst of our storms, God sends revelation. Those revelations should cause us to do more thoughtful examination. Can you shout examination? Yes, yeah, more thoughtful examination. I think last week I told you about Hurricane Katrina, August 23rd. It rose up out of the warm water of the Bahamas. By the time August 26th showed up, it had swept. It was pounding uh, Florida, my home state of Louisiana, Mississippi, and Alabama. But what's interesting about Hurricane Katrina is that the winds missed the city of New Orleans. And yet, New Orleans suffered some of the worst damage of the hurricane. Why? because it's below sea level and it is surrounded by this unique combination of levee and walls which had been certified by the U.S. government, uh, Army Corps of Engineers, that could withstand a Category 4 and Category 5, the waters of a Category 4, 5 hurricane. But the hurricane revealed that what they thought was true wasn't. So both the federal government and local government investigated they they examined why can somebody ask can you just shout why yes why why was this the case and what they discovered was that on more than one occasion 
inferior material was used and shortcuts was taken. Here's one example that in at least 10% of the levees where they should have been using the hard New Orleans clay that is extremely expensive to harvest, but once, once you've put them in the infrastructure of the wall, they become impenetrable. Then in 10% of the cases, rather than using the hard clay, they simply used sand. And so when the floodwaters came, the walls broke in 23 different places. You might imagine what, what constituted those 23 different places. Those are the places where sand was where there should have been hard clay. An examination reveals it. Now, somebody might ask the question, you know, 1,464 people lost their lives. A hundred thousands of, of uh, businesses was lost. Tons of damage was done. Why examine now? Well, here's the reason. You re- typically, you examine for two reasons. Either A, you want to make sure that yesterday's trauma does not become tomorrow's reoccurring nightmare. Or B, you're trying to figure out how to exit the storm that you're currently in, provided it's not coming out of broken life. That's where we find this text opening up for us this, today. These sailors have moved from revelation to examination, and they're asking Jonah some tough questions. It begins with the first question, why has this awful storm come down on us? And it unleashes a series of tough questions. In the midst of storms, that's when we should be asking some tough questions. In the midst of life's crises and challenges, we should ask tough questions of ourselves, tough questions of those that we love, and tough questions even of those that we work with. And even tough questions of God. He welcomes our tough questions. And we find that there are four questions that the sailors put to Jonah. And here they are. First of all, they say, tell us, who are you? What line of work are you in? What country do you come from? What's your nationality? And when we look at these, these four basic questions, they actually kind of reveal three areas that when we're thinking about how did I get into this situation that I'm in? How do I get out of it and stay out of it if, in fact, the storm does not come from brokenness of life? if it comes from the people that I'm connected to, if it comes from my own bad choices, you know, what's the remedy? There are at least three areas that we should examine very, very closely as we look for the answer. The first is the area of purpose. Can you shout purpose? The first two questions actually covers the area of of purpose. Who are you? What's your line of work? Here's what the sailors knew, that most folk, if not all of the folk on that ship, was headed to Tasha predominantly for the reason that they were merchants. And they, were, they had cargo of merchandise and they were headed to trade. What they were really asking Jonah was, are you a merchant? And if you're not on a merchant, if you're not a merchant, is it possible that you got on the wrong trip and that you're headed in the wrong direction? Come on now. <laughs> yeah, this question of purpose. It brings to mind really three practical questions that we ought to drill down on when we're trying to think about why am I where I am and what does it mean to, to break this, the, the pattern of where I am. And the first question is simply this. Am I where I'm supposed to be? Purpose. Am I in the job that I'm supposed to be in? Am I in the relationship that I'm supposed to be in? Question two. Am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? Right? Am I, for example 
focused on accelerating my career when I should be focused on stabilizing my family? Am I spending most of my time (laughs) focused on dating when I should be spending most of my time focused on studying? Am I more worried about how much money I have to spend when I should be worried about how much money I have to save? Am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? And then the third question, practical question, is my life going in the right direction? That's under the category of purpose, shout purpose. The second, the, the second category we find is when they ask the question, where do you come from? Suggests that we ought to examine our history. Jonah, you, you came here from somewhere. What country did you come from? When we look back in our history, are there some discernible patterns in how we think and the decisions that we make that keeps us landing in the same school? And the third category has to do with family. What's your nationality? Another way of translating it, what people do you come from? It reminds us that as we do a close examination of why I am where I am and what it will it take to exit, we, we, we sometimes have to ask the question, what's the family dynamics that's still at play in how I think and how I, how I engage with life? You know, is it, is it, am I still engaging with some of the pain of my family or Is there support or is there some enabling that's going on? What's the family dynamic? Practical questions about how I got here. What does it take to exit the storm? Somebody shout examination. Now, here's what I find to be fascinating, guys. Listen to me. The questions that I just took you through, the questions that the sailors asked, they were on the surface non-religious questions. I mean, it's a non-religious question. What's your name? What line of work that you're in? Come on now. What country you come from? What's your nationality? It's a non-religious question if we're examining purpose and we're saying, am I in the right place? Am I doing the right thing? Am I headed in the right? Non-religious question. And yet it's fascinating to me that Jonah responds to non-religious questions with a spiritual answer. Now, let me just back up for a moment uh, as a footnote. Somebody shout footnote. I want to celebrate Jonah, first of all, uh, for allowing the examination. He didn't try to deflect it. He didn't cuss people out because they would dare examine him. He allowed the examination. And we'll learn later that he responded honestly. But here is the interesting thing. He answered non-religious questions with a spiritual answer. Why? Let's look at his answer. The text says, Jonah answered, I am a Hebrew. And when you introduce yourself as a Hebrew to people who are outside of the nation of Israel, it it usually sparks that this is the unique people whose very identity is defined by their relationship with this God that is known as Yahweh. Watch what he says. I am a Hebrew. Come on now. And I worship. This is his answer. To what is your name? This is his answer to the non-religious question. What is your occupation? What's your line of work? This is his spiritual answer. I'm a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. A spiritual answer to a non-religious question. What is it that Jonah knows that we we ought to pay attention to here? Jonah understands Uh, this truth about his life, and we need to understand the same truth about life itself. 
that all, all non-religious questions, particularly as it pertains to our purpose and our history, particularly as it pertains to the kinds of basic decisions that we make on a day-to-day basis, even if it's in the political realm, the economic realm, we're dealing with our psychology or our sociology, we're dealing with our relationships. At the end of the day, at the bottom of every meaningful non-religious question uh, is a spiritual reality, a spiritual reality. And that spiritual reality is best summarized by the words, who are you worshiping? Jonah responds, <laughs> I'm a Hebrew and I worship the Lord. That's, if you look at that in Hebrew, the Lord is really translated Yahweh, the personal name for God. I worship Yahweh, the one who's in charge of the heavens, who made the seas and the earth. Wow. Interesting. Let me show you how this works. You see, when you go back to the category of purpose, the non-religious question is, am I in the right place? Am I on the right job? Am I in the right relationship? But the spiritual question is, are you where God wants you to be in terms of your job? Are you where God wants you to be in terms of the relationship Who am I worshiping? Secondly, you know, am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? Am I focused on savings rather than spending? Am I I, I focused on education rather than working? Am Am I focused on family rather than accelerate? Am I doing what I'm supposed to be? But the spiritual question is, are you doing what God is calling you to do? It's the spiritual question. Am I going in the right direction is the non-religious question. But the spiritual question that vibrates at the bottom of your soul, listen, come on now, is the question, are, are you headed towards the, 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 the rendezvous of destiny that God has for you? Are you headed in a good direction? That's the spiritual question. See, here's the deal. Whether you're dealing with politics or religion or philosophy, at the end of the day, the world, the scripture tells us that the things that are seen comes from the things that are not seen, that the world has attached to it a God purpose. Whatever dimension of your life that you're dealing with, your life has attached to it a God purpose. Come on now. Psalms 139 declares that, that even while you were a protoplasmic substance in the fallopian tube of your mother, that God saw you and attached a why to your life. And whether you live cognizant of God or not, there is a divine spiritual why to your life. And at the end of the day, we need to come back to the question. Come on now. Worship is not just about singing in a place. It is about whether or not I'm living my life in alignment with the God who created me and shaped me and called me. Who are you worshiping? Jonah knew the answer to the question that he was in the situation that he was in because of his spiritual disposition. Are you in the right place? Are you in the place that God would have you to be? Jonah knew it was no. Are you doing what God is calling you to do? Jonah knew the answer was no. Are you going where God wants you to go? Jonah knew the answer is no. And so when he says, I worship the God of the heavens. Come on now. Yahweh, that is the first inkling that we get that Jonah is beginning. Come on now. His maturity is beginning to reawaken. He's beginning to reopen back up. And he de Come on now. Because previously he had demoted God and elevated himself. Now he's demoting himself and elevating God back to the place where it's supposed to be. I worship God. 
You know, two days from now, my wife and I are going to celebrate our 37th wedding anniversary. It's a big deal. And I, I want to say this. It's true. I'm not saying it because it's romantic, sweet, or uh, whatever. It's just true. Rhonda continues to be my greatest teacher when it comes to what it means to be a person of faith, what it means to be a Jesus follower, what it means to live a life that is submitted and surrendered to the purpose and the power of God, even when it's not comfortable. You know, she has a wonderful job that at the end of the day, she only took because God whispered to her to take it. She shares her own story. She says that she didn't want to take it. She resisted it all she could. But at the end of the day, it came back to the question, who are you worshiping? So ultimately, she said yes. And it was in January of 2020. And in a few months, the pandemic hit. And the folk who we all know and celebrate as our heroes, they were in the midst of crisis, doctors and nurses and all these people that were reporting to her. And because of her faith and her foundation, she was able to lead them through the most intense period. Wow. But even now, she wants to exit. You know, the, the, she's got tons of people reporting to her. She's got influence and impact. She's making good money. She's got financial security. She's got the respect of her peers and folk. But the bureaucracy that she works in is so dysfunctional and so challenging and so painful. She just wants to exit. Just go be a doctor. And, and, and I see uh, the overwhelming work that she's doing, and I want her to exit too. But every time she thinks about exiting, she keeps coming back to the question, who are you worshiping? Meaning she keeps coming back and she's, she waits for God to give her relief. And God has not said, you can exit. The question, who are you worshiping? And so is she in the right place, the place that God would have her to be? Yes. Is she doing what God would have her to do? Yes. Come on, is she headed in the direction that God would have her to do? Yes. But does it feel good? No. Is it comfortable? No. And here's the point. Sometimes, come on now, sometimes, sometimes being in the right place that God would have you, doing the right thing that God would have you to do, is not commiserate with comfort. It's possible for it to be a, a suffering, painful moment, and yet for God to say, this is why I want you. Because sometimes God needs light to show up in dark places. Sometimes God needs life to show up in, in, in death-filled places. Sometimes God needs authentic warmth of love to show up in cold, hate-filled places. And he calls on you and I to be at the place that he needs us to be, and it doesn't always feel We see the transformation that begins to happen in Jonah as he demotes himself and puts God back into place. He says, here's who I worship. I'm going to make the decisions going forward based on who's in charge. <laughs> Come on now. That's him. Wow. And so we've, we've learned so far that, that that revelation ought to lead us to thoughtful examination. And that thoughtful examination ought to produce a sound explanation. And we see it here. Why are we where we are in the midst of the storm? Here comes the sound explanation. The text says that the sailors were terrified when they heard what Jonah had to say. For not only did he tell them about who he was worshiping, come on, he went on and he was completely transparent. He's, he had already told them that he was running away from the Lord. And so they cried out, oh, why did you do it? Come on. Some parent is asking some child, oh, why did you do it? Some spouse is asking some loved one, oh, why did you do it? Why did you do what you did? 
Why did you do it? A relevant question to wrestle with when we find ourselves in the midst of crisis and challenges. Some parent, some child is asking some parent, oh, why did you do it? Tough question. Wow. Well, the sailors figured it out. We're in a storm because uh, the fella named Jonah is running from God rather than serving God. Shout explanation. So they asked Jonah, what should we do? And suddenly Jonah, his, his transformation right in front of our eyes continues to happen. The one who has been the object lesson of what unfaithfulness looks like suddenly becomes the one, the teacher who teaches us about how to move from being self-centered and irresponsible to how to move to being other people focused, faithful rather than flaky. Come on now. And very responsible. Watch what happens. Watch as he walks into the consequences of his behavior, willingly accepting those consequences. Come on now. And, 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 and owning his stuff. Watch what he says. Uh, uh, and, 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 and here's the point. Once I got the explanation, I've got to figure out what responsibility do I need to claim. And here, here's, here's where Jonah picks up. He says, Jonah tells him, throw me into the sea. Then, he says, it will become calm again. Suddenly, he's no longer thinking about himself. He's thinking about how do I protect you guys because you're in the storm because of me. My goodness, look at this transformation that's taking place as he welcomes the consequences of his actions. And then he says this. I know, shout I know, that this terrible storm is all my fault. Wow, what powerful words. Claiming responsibility, all my fault. That's what it looks like when we claim responsibility. And sometimes it's some of our fault. Sometimes it's a portion of our fault. But sometimes what's going on in our lives is all our fault. And we need to learn how to be able to say that. Come on, just say it with me. Say, it's all my fault. Come on, say it. It's all my fault. Yeah. Come on, come on, San Jose. Say it with me. It's all my fault. Yeah. I want you to practice that. Come on, not, not to shove your head down in a place of shame so you can be shamed and embarrassed. That's not the point. Come on, not to fill you up with guilt. No. That when you're able to say it's all my fault, you're able to take your first step towards liberation, your first step towards breakthrough, your first step towards emerging into a better version of who you are. It's all my fault. Here's the insight. Make sure you write it down. Accepting responsibility requires me to also accept consequences. You can't say it's all my fault, but still whine about the consequences, still complain about the consequences. No, it's all my fault. These consequences are coming to me. Naturally, I, I don't like them. They don't feel good, but I welcome them because you know what? It's all my fault. And so Jonah says, throw me overboard. That's the consequences of what my bad choices. Because it's all my fault. Wow. You know, I always talk about the Warriors. Usually I talk about Steph Curry. But in this context, I'm thinking about Draymond Green, you know, the defensive juggernaut of the team. And in game three of the NBA Finals, in game four, he played poorly. When he got before the, the, the audience, when they, when they interviewed him in front of the cameras, he, he, didn't, he didn't pretend anything. He said, listen, I, I play lousy. He used a little bit more graphic language, but that was the point. I pray loudly. It's my fault. 
I didn't do what I was supposed to do. And there has a ripple effect on the team. Later on in game four, he was benched at a time when, you, when he, would, he would have been normally on the play at the, at, the, at, the, at the apex of the game. He was benched, and he didn't cuss anybody out. He didn't complain. He didn't go on his podcast and talk about how terrible the coach was. No, 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 no. He said that was a natural consequence that came out of how I was playing. That's maturity. That's maturity. That's maturity. And by claiming his responsibility, it means he sat down with his coach and he began to say, okay, what do I need to do different? What do I need to do different? How do I change here? How do I change here? And then, come on now, game five, he got a little better. And in game six, come on, he went from being a liability to being the incredible asset that he is. And they won the finals. Because he claimed his fault, learned his lesson, and shifted we see the shift taking place in Jonah. Now watch this. Jonah says, throw me overboard. And you can almost hear the language of codependency in how the sailors respond. You, got, you can almost get this, right? right? Come on, I'm, I'm talking to some family members now. Come on, who, 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 who won't allow their loved one to experience uh, trouble and devastation. And so as a result, everybody's in the storm. Come on now. Uh, listen to what he says. Instead, shout, instead, the sailors rode even harder to get the ship to the land. But the storm of the sea, the stormy sea was too violent for them. They couldn't make it. They couldn't make it. And so finally they came to this point. Either we throw him overboard. Or either we release him to the consequences of his, his actions. Or we all go down. You know, I'm thinking about somebody who says, you know, I can't release my, my child, my 24-year-old child who's living with me and highly irresponsible is getting into I can't release them to the consequences of my, what's going to happen to me? I can't release my sibling to the consequences of their actions. What's going to happen? I've got to somehow protect. I've got to somehow to preserve. And, 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 and the word to you is that you're sitting in God's seat. Get yourself out of God's seat. Come on now. And, 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 and let Jonah go overboard so that God can handle Jonah and you get back in your place. Yeah. Jonah goes overboard. At this point, Jonah thinks, I'm not reachable. At this point, Jonah thinks it's all over. I love, I love, I love the text here. Listen, here's what the text says. Uh, after it says that the sailors pick up Jonah, they threw him into the raging sea. The storm stomped at once. And then, verse 7, then verse 17 kicks in, but let me just give you this insight. Let me give you this insight. Uh, here's what verse 17 says. Now the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. Jonah thought that he was beyond saving. Jonah thought it was all over. But catch a picture of this. <laughs> the fish arrived in a moment of unexpected grace. In the form of an undesirable circumstance, nobody wants to be swallowed by a huge fish, making possible an unanticipated miracle. That, that, that wild in the, in, the, in, the, in the bowels of the fish, Jonah not only goes through revelation and examination. Come on, if you read chapter 2, come on now. But, but he, he ends up with a, with a clear explanation, and at the end of it all, 
transformation continues to happen. And, 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 and at the end of the day, come on now, chapter 3 opens up with, with the fish spitting Jonah out. And the text begins anew. And the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. A second time. Now, I know that the, the whole fish, uh, 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 by the way, did you catch that? That God is a, is a God of the second time and the 20th time and the 200th time. That sometimes he allows the circumstances of life that you think is going to destroy you. But ultimately, they preserve you. Come on, long enough for you to have the transformation that you need so that it can be said about you. The word of the Lord came to you a second time. Wow. Now, I know there's a lot of discussion. Most times people refer to this as a whale, but the text doesn't say that this was a whale. It says it was a great fish and says that God had arranged for this great fish. You know, I've heard people just talk about it. They say, well, you know, it couldn't be a whale. The throat's too narrow. Somebody said, well, maybe it was a sperm whale and, and this and that and so forth and so on. But at the end of the day, I love this fish image because it reminds us that we shouldn't be so apt to explain away the huge miracles of the Bible, because the moment we begin to explain away the huge miracles of the Bible, come on, we miss positioning ourselves for the huge miracles that God wants to do in our lives. Come on. That fish is a part of God's mysterious, unexplainable. Come on now. <laughs> let, let, let me finish here. Let me finish here. It is the mysterious, unexplainable. An unexplainable parts that make God God. And all I have to say to you is that he is a faithful God who, who engages us with an unrelenting love. And he never gives up on us. And may it be said of you what it was of Jonah. And the word of the Lord came to someone today through this message. Yet again, because you're still reachable. You're still reachable. Amen. Let me give you your homework. I want to suggest that you do some examination, that you contact, reach out to three people who know you very, very well. And you say, I want to ask you a question. I want you to give me an honest answer. Some of those people may not be living close to you. <laughs> they may be uh, in uh, South Korea or New York. Or maybe they're in Nigeria. You have to call them and reach out to them. But reach out to them, ask them a question. Here's the question. Take a picture of it. What is one thing that I don't know about me that will help me to become a better version of myself? I want to invite you to take a step towards a new level of commitment and community. Scan the QR code right on the screen here. It's going to take you to the next steps with Jesus. And for somebody, you you. you desperately want to see a shift in your life and it begins with your saying you know what I want God who showed up in Jesus to be the Lord of my destiny my tomorrow and my day all you need to do is simply check I want to be Jesus follower or I'm ready to return to my faith there's several options there for you and you can indicate if you want us to follow up with you and we'll, we'll follow with you wherever you are in the, in the world to help you with your next step if you'd like for us to secondly Oh, my goodness. If you're going to engage with us on social media, I want to just ask you to be sure you tag us. Tag us at, uh, at uh, NBCC Bay Area. And you know why? Because that gives us visibility, helps us know that you're part of the team spreading the message and spreading some of the insights that we're going to be out there. So thank you for doing that. 
And whatever you do, don't you miss next weekend. I'm telling you, we'll just get started with this series. Uh, so 9 and 11 a.m. Pacific time, we're going to be right here. And if you're in the local Bay Area on a Sunday morning, I want to tell you, there's no greater experience in the Bay Area than to show up at one of our NBCC campuses. Won't you do it? We'd love to host you. 